You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Most gracious and ever-living God, I pray at this time that in the end, not my words, but Jesus, your Son, your living word would go forth and bear in um, our lives your life, I pray. Amen. I know that my Redeemer lives. Those are the words from Job chapter 19. I know that my Redeemer lives. And in both the passage from Job and also in the passage from the gospel, uh, the theme of redemption is present, the theme of a Redeemer, uh, whose we are. And as we reflect on that this morning, I I begin by the continuation of a story I began a couple weeks ago. Um, For those of you who were here, I shared the story of when we were in Canada and our dog Bo decided to battle a porcupine. And if you remember, the, the end of the story, Bo won, but he lost. Um, that's, just, that's sometimes a story of life, isn't it? We, we win, but we lose. Uh, and uh, necessarily, I had to carry him um, back to the cottage uh, he was done in, and thus illustrative of the reality for you and for me, that we, at the end of the day, as offensive as this is to you and to me, we need a shepherd. Uh, we need a Savior, a Redeemer to come Um, and to uh, carry us to do that which we cannot do on our own. But as is true of many of our trips, um, catastrophe is not isolated, Uh, but we like to string them together um, over the series of our time away. And one of the things after the porcupine fiasco is I had to take Bo to the vet on a couple of occasions to get some additional quills out, some staples in, some staples out. Fast forward, we were there for the second time, and this time it wasn't just me and Bo, it was Maple, our other dog, and Paula was with me also. And since we were in town, we were going through the parking lot at the grocery store to pick up something um, for Paula's sister. And of course, I was excited about that. Um, and so as we were there in the parking lot, I was going probably four miles an hour um, at that moment. And as we are going through the parking lot, crash um, and I don't know if you um, know this, but um, there are light poles um, in the parking lot, and they're very elusive, Um, and sometimes they appear suddenly in front of your car, and so I smashed into um, these, one of the light poles that was there in the parking lot, and one of the things that I can assure you is that when you hit them with your car, they don't fall on your car. They're very sturdy. Um, Your car stops, they uh, stay put, and I, I smashed into it. And at that moment, um, Paula, who was sitting in the back, and, and you're going to be surprised that sometimes I'm described as defensive. Um, and so you can, you can debate the, the truth of that in response to this question. After I smashed into that, of course, immediately all the things flood in. You know, you're, 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 you're disoriented and you're, you're discombobulated at the moment. And, and Paula from the back asks a, a question. Uh, and it the question was this, did you see it, um, was, was the question which she asked. And, and again, I, maybe I'm overly sensitive to find that an accusation. Um, maybe it was a sincere question. 
And, and I do remember her asking that question, did you see it? And I don't remember exactly what I said. Maybe it was, I love you. Um, uh, maybe it was, you know what, that's a great question. Um, let, me th- let, me th- let me think about that. Um, that's, that that's, that's helpful. Um, that, that's, we'll, just, we'll, we'll say that's what I said uh, in, in, res- in response. But that, that, that again, not... Not to equate um, my wife with Job's friends, uh, but it felt more like an accusation than it did uh, a question. As I say, after that moment, of course, part of the problem was um, I knew I was responsible. Um, I was the one who did it, for goodness sakes, and I should have seen the poll. I think we can all gathered here in the congregation agree that I should have seen the poll. It was right there. They're not real subtle. Um, it was right there, and I, and I didn't... Uh, see it, and, and that in many ways is illustrative of our lives, isn't it? What we should see clearly right in front of us, we often miss. That which should be unmistakable um, is mistakable. But more than that, the reason I share it is as silly and simple um, as it is, we were going along, everything was fine, and then it wasn't. Uh, and that's uh, often the way that we experience life. We're, we're, we're going along, uh, and things are seemingly fine, uh, and then they're not. Then the crash happens, and, and it, takes lots of, it takes lots of different forms, doesn't it? Uh, it could be something uh, with our work. It could be something with our family uh, or a relationship that we have. It could be something with our health. It could be something of the expectations which we have of life, but life has that opportunity. Uh, We uh, know that it can happen, but when it happens, it feels sudden, uh, and we often feel unmoored um, as a result. And in the book of Job, the book of Job is, of course, a book about faith, uh, and it's about um, faith in God, and it's a book in many ways uh, about the character of God and our relationship with God. But one of the great things about the book uh, of Job is that it's very honest about faith. And one of the things about faith, of course, is um, the significance of faith is not so much how much we have, of course, but it's the object um, of our faith that is most important. It's not how much you and I are able to well up or how well we exercise our faith. The importance and the strength ultimately is in the object of our faith. But one of the things that Job is honest uh, about is that faith can be challenging. Faith, yes, is often for you and for me a source of comfort, and it's a source of clarity, and it's a source of life. But faith is also relational, uh, and relationships um, can be challenging. And Job, if you remember, Job, uh, basically his life was going well as well as one could hope. Uh, he had been um, successful, uh, and he had uh, a large family, and they loved and were close to one another. He had stability. Basically, all the things, all the things that all of us in some shape or fashion long for, a sense uh, of stability, a sense of success, a sense of love and fellowship and, and connection, sort of regardless of who you are, we long for those things in one way or another, and then, of course, suddenly um, it all comes apart. And after it comes apart, Job's friends come to help him. They come to strengthen him. And, and initially, they do a great job. They mainly sit with Job in that particular moment, but then they begin to ask him questions. And 
in essence, what their questions say is, we, look, we know you've done something wrong. Why don't you figure it out? Why don't you let us figure out what you did wrong that you now find yourself in this predicament? Uh, and, and once you recognize what it is, then you're going to be able to repent, uh, and God will restore you at that point. And Job uh, grapples with the accusation of his friends. He, he wrestles with their help, and they were giving good, um, honest, religious advice to him. Uh, they were giving uh, words uh, of wisdom of the day is what they were offering them, and yet he found in them, not surprisingly, um, no solace. And part of it as well for Job was this, is that God, paradoxically, and maybe you can relate to this at different moments in your life, felt very real and very close and also yet very far away as well. Job felt as if there had been, if he could just sit down with God um, and have a conversation. If he could just sit down and make his case um, before God, then, uh, then things could be different, then God would understand that things could be set aright. He just needed um, an audience with God, and God was so close and yet so far away simultaneously. And 19 begins, as 19 begins, he, he, he talks about the challenge of his friends. He says, of his friends, how long will you torment me and break me in pieces with your words? He talks about uh, God himself describing God. Um, he has walled up my way so that I cannot pass, and he has set darkness uh, upon my paths. He breaks me down on every side, and I am gone. He says these words, and my hope has he pulled up like a tree. Uh, that's, that's as pretty far down um, as we can go, and that's the place uh, that Job finds himself. And, and he goes on and he says, and, and my family members, those closest to me, those that I would call upon in such a time, they seem far away from me as well. He says, my breath is strange to my wife, and I'm a stench to the children of my own mother. Even young children despise me. When I rise, they talk against me. All my intimate friends abhor me, and those whom I loved have turned against me. And that's the place in which we find Job. He feels isolated. Uh, he feels um, cut off. I, I, I would say it's um, safe to say that he feels hopeless. And, and and maybe you haven't, and maybe you're not experiencing it um, to this significance and to this depth. <laughs> and aren't you, don't you feel lifted up um, today as I'm sharing all this with you? But it gets, uh, it gets dramatically better. But Job identifies with the experience um, of humanity uh, and what it is um, in faith that, yes, um, there are those moments. But then, suddenly, there's a shift we see um, a sudden shift. Job um, lays out his challenges, but then um, out of seemingly nowhere, out of a place of hopelessness, hope comes. Uh, out of the crash um, comes a word of restoration, uh, a word of real and abiding hope. And uh, we heard the words read a moment ago. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last He will stand upon the earth. And yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another. 
In the midst of all of this, Job says those words, I know. I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I feel that I should um, know more than I know, uh, that I should have more clarity, that I have more knowledge than I have. Unfortunately, I have a title before my name, so people have the mistaken um, understanding that I know more than I do. Um, and perhaps you feel that way at times also. But what we see Job saying here is, there's a lot of this I don't get. There's a lot of this that I am grappling with, but I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. In the midst of everything else, this is true. And I want to say a little bit about that word Redeemer. Of course, we all hear Redeemer in a positive sense, someone to come, alive, come alongside us to rec- rescue us, or, or those we love to redeem them, to restore them, someone to come along and, and set the record straight to, to, to pay, to um, cover us. Uh, you hear Redeemer, you hear redemption, and that's a, that's a lovely word. But here in the context of Job, it has even more significance because it's a very specific word that's translated Redeemer, and that word is goel. The word is goel. And the significance, if you go back to Leviticus 25, and even in the gospel, we hear about this desire that one's um, that one should live on, that one's lineage um, should live on. But in Leviticus 25, the people have been delivered from slavery, uh, and they are wandering, and God is shaping, and, and, and He's fashioning them, and they've, they've come into a land, and they are given um, these guidelines and these practices in order to live in relationship with God and with one another. And one of the things, the Goel had a very specific purpose, uh, the Redeemer, that if you were in trouble that your kinsmen, that your family would come alongside you to pay what you couldn't pay. Uh, they would come to rescue you. They would come to be your redeemer. And even beyond that, if your situation had fallen to the point where you were forced into slavery because um, of your debts, they would come and they would pay and they would extricate you from that. So when Job says those words, I know that my redeemer lives it has a tremendous significance. There is a technical aspect to it. And of course, we all see where this is beginning to go. Job, in the words of Paul to the Corinthians, he sees in a mirror dimly, uh, but then face to face. He, he understands in part what you and I see is that we have, in fact, a redeemer. We have one who comes um, to free us. We have one who comes to restore us. We have a security and a standing um, in this life and in the life to come, which nothing can take away. And the Redeemer isn't you or me, uh, the Redeemer is Jesus. If you remember um, the story of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, Ruth and Naomi have fallen upon um, hard times, and they, uh, Ruth is a widow, and she is in a place of tremendous, phenomenal, precarious vulnerability. Uh, she is in as precarious a place as one could find themselves, and they are gleaning and gathering grain from that which is left over. And if you remember uh, that uh, Boaz, uh, there is a kinsman uh, ahead of Boaz in line that could um, redeem their situation, and he initially agrees to do so when it's just the purchase of property, but when it involves uh, marrying Ruth, he steps aside, uh, and we hear that Boaz 
um, steps in and redeems them. And that may sound sort of ancient and, and, and technical, but the significance of it is this, is that we see um, that Boaz comes and redeems Ruth and redeems um, Naomi. He get, takes them from a place of insecurity um, to security, from a place of being sort of no people to people, from being cut off um, to being found. But the big point about that and why I share that with you is for this reason. Boaz doesn't do it simply out of duty. He doesn't simply do it because he has to. But we see he does it out of love. The, the transformation is more than just duty. The redemption is more than simply out of obligation. It is ultimately one of love. Uh, and we see that Ruth and Naomi are basically taken from being cut off to being restored. They're taken from a place of death to a place of life. And all this points um, toward that which I want to share with us this morning is that you and I have a redeemer. Job expresses his desire that his words could be written um, upon the rock, that they would last forever. And not surprisingly, what I say to you in this moment is, in fact, they have been. The words are written um, on the cross of Jesus. They're written uh, on the stone, which is rolled away in the resurrection of Jesus. You and I have a redeemer. Uh, God makes us his sons and his daughters through his sacrifice. You and I are recipients of redemption. Whatever struggles, whatever trials, whatever accusations may come our way, we are those that have been redeemed and we have been set upon the rock um, that is Jesus Christ. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Most gracious and ever-living God, we give you thanks that you're not God of the dead, but God of the living, and that in Jesus, your Son, you have come forth into the world to be our Redeemer. You have revealed to us your face, your nature, your character. Be our redemption, be our life, be our security today and always, we pray. We ask all this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.